It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Osmo MMA DFS strategy show for UFC Vegas number 22, which goes down on Saturday night back to a later start time. 7 p.m. East Coast time will be lock time for the prelims. And of course, the main card will be at 10 p.m. Eastern time headlined by a key matchup in the middleweight division. Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson, which just going to say, I think this is a must-roster fight for our DFS lines. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, good uh, Thursday evening to you. How's things going, man? What's going on? What's going on, everybody? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for the main event and co-main event, definitely. Um, you know, we've been spoiled lately, Jason. It's not it's not a crazy card, but it's still a card, and there's still some some spots, especially for DFS, that I'm interested in. Yeah, I think there's definitely some fights you got to look at. Well, we were, we're going to get into those fights here a momentarily. Of course, this show is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. March Madness and here, and we've partnered with our show sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, to bring our viewers a free bracket challenge with $2,500 in cash prizes plus 100 free, also plus platinum subscriptions with a free year. That's a $1,000 value. 
going to the grand prize winner. That's right. Compete for cash plus the chance to win. Also plus passes for free. The top 355 places are paid out. So there's no reason not to join. Simply go to awese.moe slash monkey mania to sign up and fill out your bracket. Click the link in the show description for more information on how to enter the free bracket challenge. Make sure to use that promo code awesome to get up to $50, your first match deposit and play monkey knife fight all tournament long. There you see it on the screen, monkey knife fight. I've been playing over there and uh, had a good night last night was sweating out a little bit of NBA. So, but uh, it did come through for me, but you got to check out our show sponsor there. Monkey knife fight, what they're doing tournament uh, is kicking off tonight with those first four games. And of course, everything gets going on this weekend but uh pete let's get right into it main event Derek brunson versus kevin holland the first thing that stuck out to me about this fight when i was looking at the dfs salaries plus the betting lines on this one i was like Ooh, we got some good pricing on the main event yeah i absolutely love it i think the pricing has made this a must roster fight um Either way, whichever side that you're favoring, whether you think that Kevin Holland goes out there and knocks out Derek Brunson because Derek Brunson has been knocked out plenty of times in his career in a lot of his losses, or you think that Derek Brunson really exposes Kevin Holland's weakness, which is his uh, takedown defense, and really kind of you know puts him in, in bad spots, puts him on his back, similar to how Jacques Ray Souza had him. Um, you know, you even think about Darren Stewart and I think that's the path to beat Kevin Holland. Um, it's pretty obvious what you need to do, but it's a lot easier said than done. And I do think that Kevin Holland is extremely dangerous on the feet. So I'm going to be targeting, like, this is a fight that I'm locking into my lineup. I don't care. There are some weeks where we're a little hesitant to pull the trigger, but this week I have full confidence that the main event's going to be a, a must roster fight. You know, and there's a lot of weeks where we look at the FanDuel pricing with the underdog in the fight, and we're just like, oh, man, it's kind of pricey. But I think we're getting a good price on Derek Brunson at, at $16. I mean, look, I, I think I will have more lineups with Kevin Holland in them. I mean, you know, obviously I think Derek Brunson's path to victory is, I think first off, do not come running ahead with that chin up like we have seen with Derek Brunson. But the other part of this is, A, him getting it to the ground, but we saw when Jacare Souza took Der- uh, Kevin Holland to the ground, what happened? So I, I think for Derek Brunson, you got you got to be safe with this one. And I just I keep going back and forth with this one. I go, if it comes into a brawl, I like Kevin Holland more and more. But if it's a technical fight, I lean Derek Brunson. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough to say, right? Because, like, I think a lot of people, including myself at times, we've written off um, Derek Brunson because he has chin issues. And you're always wondering when those, you know, uh, those chin issues are going to show up in fights and if you're going to get wobbled on the feet and finish like he has been. But offensively for striking, like he's very, very dangerous, packs a mean left hand. He's knocked out plenty of people himself. So there's nothing saying that he can't go out there and hurt Kevin Kevin Holland on the feet and start to mix in some takedowns. I mean, we were just, you know, discrediting him and kind of overlooking him in that Edmund uh, Shabazian fight. And look what he did. He pulled a, an awesome upset. Um, I think he needs to go to the takedown well to really secure rounds. Um, however this fight goes, you need to roster it. I still am favoring Kevin Holland, though. Like, I, I think that he's going to end up finding that chin um, despite his takedown deficiencies, despite his wild approach. I still slightly favor Kevin Holland. 
It's a hundred percent fight for me on all of my lineups. If you want to be contrarian, you can definitely avoid it and hope that there are some other big finishes on the card. It can happen. And you could still have a good score from the main event, but it'd be kind of overshadowed by some other fights that go under the radar. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's a slight lean for Kevin Holland, um, and, but I'm getting to a ton of Derek Brunson. Yeah, I mean, first off, we got to give you props for your call last week uh, in the co-main event. Uh, you know, it was something that I wasn't necessarily all in on, but you went all in on Ryan Spann. So kudos to you uh, for calling that one. Is uh, I'm sure you were sweating that one a little bit as that fight went started. You know, you know the the Ryan Spann one. Like I don't know. Sometimes you just you just have a good feeling. You have a gut feeling, and you know you get a good read on a fight. And uh, everybody's different. That's why we always say trust your gut because, like, if you if you really feel like you have a, a, a strong lean on a fight, stick to it because more often than not, you're catching on to something. Um, you know, I hit the Ryan Span call. Would have hit the uh, Eric Anders call. I mean, two weekends in a row, we've seen you know, fouls kind of just eliminate awesome performances. You think about Peter Yan, you think about Eric Anders. So having a hundred percent Ryan span and a hundred percent Eric Anders, the potential was there, Jason. <laughs> and it was just shattered before my eyes. And uh, it, it really upset me, but I'm, I'm glad to see that a lot of our users uh, went out there and cash big. Yeah. And if you had Davey Gray in your lineup, kudos to yeah. you. Forgetting that one, just a brutal knockout that he had there. Of course, uh, if you ever do miss our show, you particularly you miss this strategy show, it is available a part of the Osmo Podcast Network. Just go to Osmo.com slash podcast to get the links wherever you do like to listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast channel. Leave it with your Twitter handle or email, and you will be eligible to win a free week of also plus platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday and reviews will be eligible up to one year. It's always a way I check out all the content we have over here at Osmo, whether it's this show or Maybe it's our NBA strategy show, the Slate Starter Podcast, which is a go-to listen for me every day. You got to check out the podcast we have over there at awesomeo.com. Let's move over to the co-main event. We got Gregor Gillespie taking on Brad Riddell. Is, you, know, you, you look at uh, this fight, and this is another one. I think that this is probably going to be the winner likely is going to be in the optimal lineup. Yes, you got to pay up for Gillespie, 9200 for Riddell over on on DraftKings. But, you know, this is, you know, first off, the first time we've seen, you know, well over a year that we have seen Gregor Gillespie. And this is a guy that, look, I, full disclosure, I thought this is potentially that could, could be kryptonite. Uh, obviously, that has, you know, we saw what Kevin Lee was able to do here. But I, I let me just bring the stat up here because when you talk about this new DraftKings scoring system, I think it is made with... Gregor Gillespie, we look at the takedowns, control time, total strikes. To me, this is a system that plays well for him. So Braladell's had three UFC fights. He has been taken down 14 times in 35 attempts. Malarkey was three of 15. Mustafa was eight for 11. De Silva was three for nine. Pete, I know you're going to try to sell me on Brad Riddell. This is my counterpoint. Yeah, I, I, I love it, man. I, I think that, you know, you bring up a great point and I will be hammering the co-main event. So like I will be locking in um, the main event fighters, um, at least one of them. I, I won't stack. So um, 
you know, I'll have probably around 60% ownership of the co-main event in, in my lineups, because I feel like if Gregor Gillespie goes out there and does his normal path to victory, which is get a hold of you, take you to the mat, you know, rinse and repeat, you know, Brad Riddell's decent at getting back to his feet. Um, and he stops some takedowns, but if he's faced up against a relentless wrestler, I do worry about him kind of, you know, getting controlled throughout the round. And yeah, maybe you, you have a minute of the round or, or even two minutes of the round where you're not getting taken down, but those other three round, uh, three minutes of the round, you're getting taken down, controlled, having to defend takedowns. So, I mean, Gregor Gillespie is definitely in a smash spot here at 9,000. He's going to probably be a very, very chalky play. But if you want to talk about an ultimate leverage play, I think that Brad Riddell is one of the guys because you already know the ownership is going to be crazy on Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to worry, though, about a fighter coming off a knockout loss. How do they actually respond mentally more than anything? It's not so much physically. Like, I'm not worried about, you know, is, are his hands going to be high? Is he going to make some, is he going to make some, uh, some technical adjustments? I want to know how is he mentally. If he gets cracked by Brad Riddell, does that panic start to set in? And those are normal things in fighting that often go overlooked. And I think that for Brad Riddell, it's important to get respect early. Soon as that fight starts, you need to crack Gregor Gillespie right off the bat. Don't let him get comfortable and remind him of what could possibly happen. Show that knee up the middle, faint and fake a lot to really get him to respect you. So, um, yeah, I, I know that everybody's going to be all over uh, Gregor Gillespie and uh, our boy Hunter saying take down City. Absolutely. This, you know, he is the guy on the card that can bring his opponent to take down City. I will be having plenty of exposure to Brad Riddell, though. That's the striker in me. I don't think like it's a, you can't just lock in Gregor Gillespie. I think the striker in me and, and how I view Brad Riddell, like he's a very highly regarded striker. Like if one of the best strikers in the entire UFC. And I think that uh, he's only getting better each time out. So maybe he can, he's a big guy, a strong guy. If he can defend some takedowns and kind of wear on the confidence of Gregor Gillespie, anything can happen. It's MMA. Don't ignore Brad Riddell at 7,200. And I don't mind Brad Riddell as a cash play over on FanDuel if he can stop those takedown attempts. I mean, it was kind of funny when you talked about the striker and you coming out, maybe think about our text conversation from last Saturday night where, I'm sorry, quarter case you just got absolutely robbed of victory. Like, it's, it's, and I talked about this on my podcast yesterday of like, we need this transparency with MMA judging. And like, yes, Courtney Casey got taken down around, but her opponent did absolutely nothing. And, and that's like the problem I see in, in judging. And right when I, I literally was on the couch going, what the hell are these judges watching? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I often find myself defending grapplers instead of being like a, a biased striker, because like, you know what I mean? As a striker, I have to understand the, you know, just the side of grappling and the danger and how difficult some things are. So I I do think that, you know, we're starting to notice ineffectiveness in in regards to MMA judging versus takedown and control. Um, You're starting to see damage being more thought of in MMA judging. Um, I know that John McCarthy's talked about it a lot, but MMA judging is so difficult, especially when, you know, the fighters don't know, you know, we don't have live scoring. I would love personally, I would personally love live scoring. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what fighter would not love live scoring, you know, and, and, may, and maybe it's so, you know, obviously we're seeing in the state of Kansas, we'll see if it happens. By the way, if maybe you, 
You want to look at playing Gregor Gillespie. You want to see where he's at in our top fighter tool. That is free over at awesomeo.com. So check out that free premium content we have over at awesomeo.com right now. That top fighters tool that helps you develop those lineups for Saturday's UFC Vegas number 22. Of course, also uh, be sure to subscribe to Awesome right here on YouTube so you can uh, know when we are live here on the channel. Hit that notification bell. lets you know exactly when we are live. And, of course, uh, be sure to give this video a thumbs up. Of course, this fight card has got a husband and wife combination. <laughs> we already see Pete shake his head a little bit there. We got uh, Cheyenne Baez taking on Ruiz here. And, and the first thing that jumped out to me, and because I saw the betting odds before I even saw the DFS salaries, of how big of a favorite Cheyenne Baez was here. And, and I understand why she's a big favorite, but I just don't know if I want to go down that road. Man, let's pump the brakes, please. I mean, the UFC hype machine is is a real thing. And we've seen that a lot with, um, you know, overblown lines and just fighters getting fights that they shouldn't be getting. And like, man, oh, man, Cheyenne buys making her UFC debut. Yeah, she looked decently impressive in her contender series bout. But like, what has she really done in her career? She's five and one to be such a massive favorite coming into here in a UFC debut um, against another uh Debutante. So I, I'm interested here. And I think that Ruiz is going to be a popular underdog. If you think of like her entire body of work for MMA, um, she's nine and one overall. She has, you know, the experience edge. So maybe she could come in here and grind out a fight and possibly, you know, win a decision. I still think that I like Cheyenne buys more than I like her, uh, her husband. I, I, I really do. I think that, you know, uh, JP buys, I think he's good. I think he's a really strong wrestler, really talented, um, I just think that Cheyenne buys from what I've seen, she, she has good boxing and she's aggressive. She, she smashes forward. She comes forward a lot. And I think that somebody who's so aggressive like that can win rounds on the judges scorecards, um, just has to avoid getting put in bad positions, 20% finish rate out of five victories. That is definitely not the best, especially when she's coming off of a, you know, a regional scene. So, uh, you know, temper expectations as far as you know, getting a finish, but 9,100, I'll probably take a, uh, a step back and just allow other people to chase it. But I will include her in some of my lineups because the way I saw her aggressiveness on the contender series, you know, she could possibly work towards getting a good score, but I mean, with the new DraftKings scoring, it's probably a fight that I'm a little underweight on, you know, and if her husband JP loses early in the night, you have to wonder like, what if he gets beat up badly? Yeah. What's that mentality going to be like? Yeah. So that, that's an interesting dynamic. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that or even think about it. Right. Like I've had multiple fighters fight on the same card. Um, you know, especially when I've coached people and I've had brothers fight on the same card. So it's amazing when it, when you're winning, right? Like you see it out of city kickboxing where you have your first guy go out there and he kind of sets the tone for the locker room even. And I know it's crazy that the locker room doesn't even, you know, it's all independent coaches and all that stuff. So it does. But when you see, when you have somebody from your locker room go out there and set a tone, it definitely boosts, boosts your morale. Now, when that person's a relative to you or a teammate, definitely boosts your morale. But it does the complete opposite when they lose. And that doubt kind of seeps in. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I think I like Cheyenne Buys more than I like her husband. Uh, going up against uh, Bruno Silva. Of course, uh, if you want to get access to all the great premium tools and content we have over awesome.com, you can sign up right now 
for an also weekly pass for $29.95. Gives you full access to all the premium content tools we have over awesome.com, including our Slack channel, player projections, ownership projections, and so much more. Plus, we have a new March Madness package with college basketball DFS projections for every slate. And if you only want the MMA weekly pass, you can get that for $8.95. You can see it right there on the screen how you can sign up. Go to Osmo.com slash join for the pass that you are looking for. Of course, uh, if you want to get that MMA pass, get you uh, into our pro plays. Also get you those ownership projections, which are so key in developing your lineups as always that's i'll tell you one of the one of the tricks i use is i look at those projections and when we're talking about especially on DraftKings, i look at who are the fighters under 20 percent ownership and that's who i'm trying to find where can i find a leverage play at yeah i like it it's almost like the discussion we talk of jason of who are we not talking about and uh, i think that's an important you know, view, especially for DFS, it's like, okay, who's everybody overlooking? Maybe I can gain some leverage in this particular area. And of course, don't forget live before lock on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, as myself and Pete will be here breaking down these fights and answering your questions. Let's move on next to a fire that I know we're going to be talking about a lot uh, on Saturday. That's going to be Adrian Yanez taking on Gustavo Lopez. I spoke to Adrian about, uh, about, I guess, about two weeks ago at this point. And, you know, one of the things that his big thought process when it came to his opponent was this guy's tough. You know, we, we've seen what Adrian did on the contender series. We saw him really doing his UFC debut, very quick finishes. You know, that's got to be the thing of, you know, with the toughness of Gustavo Lopez, will that first round finish maybe not materialize? Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm really, really impressed with Adrian Yanez. I really am. I think that his striking as a whole is very impressive. His hands, especially. Um, we've even seen him throw some awesome kicks. So, I feel like he's a complete striker and he faints a lot. You know, he goes to the body and those seem like, you know, rudimentary, but they're really important and show the level of striker that you really are because they're not so common. Everybody's a headhunter. Everybody's a brawler. But when you see somebody mixing in level changes and everything, it's just a beautiful art. So I love to see it. Now, obviously he's, he's uh, up against Gustavo Lopez. Who's, who's very, very tough. Now I think Gustavo Lopez is shot at winning this fight is to potentially grind out a close decision. Uh, Maybe try to wear on him against the cage. Maybe Mm -hmm. try to incorporate some grappling. I think that would be his avenue of success. If he tries to sit out there and strike against Adrian Yanez, it's not that he's a bad striker. You know, Gustavo's got hands. He's he's got power. I just think that he's at a significant speed disadvantage. So I think that, uh, you know, Yanez can pick pick him apart from the outside. My worry, though, is that maybe the finish doesn't come for Giannis, similar to what you were just speaking of. And it's, uh, you know, just a back and forth match or even a Giannis, you know, dominant victory that doesn't really show in the DraftKings score. And you get something that's a little underwhelming for his price. But I can mention that Gustavo Lopez has been knocked out and finished in the past, you know, John Castaneda via ground and pound in round four, Andre Yule in round one. So, I mean... With all of that being said, there's no way I'm avoiding Adrian Giannis, but like I'm not fully expecting a, a first-round KO. So our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, this is one of the fights I've been looking at over there, and I've been looking at the significant strikes in this matchup. So they've got the number set for Giannis 
52 and a half. Gustavo Lopez, 30 and a half. Yeah, probably going over. If you, if you think it's going to be a first-round finish, I think you smashed the less. Yeah. On both of them. You know, so um, Giannis in general, 75% finish rate. You know, maybe it starts to kind of come down a little bit. He's had back-to-back knockouts. Um, maybe in a tough matchup, you have Lopez with a full camp. Definitely going to look to, uh, you know, survive and especially win. So um, I think that he has to be sharp in that. Gustavo Lopez has a 92% finish rate. So for me, like, it all depends on how you view the fight going. I think that it's going to go beyond round one. And since it's going to go beyond round one and the volume of Yanez, I'd probably hit the over, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think Yanez will be one of my top exposures on Saturday. Yeah. Like, you know, how, you know, Gillespie's going to be a top exposure, you know, and, and there's another fire we'll get into that's going to be a top exposure for me. Of course, that fighter's coming up here. Uh, very shortly, but let's uh, let's move on to a matchup where I, I think really for me it's it's play one side or pass on the fight. That's Max Grisham against Song Kanan. To me, this is either you play Max Grisham or, or you just pass on the fight. But now the concern is with Max Grisham, nine of his ten UFC fights have made it to the third round. So that's where you got to start looking at in terms of that DraftKings scoring system. To me, it comes down to. Does Max Grissom go to takedown route, which we have seen him go in a couple of his UFC fights? Yeah. So like, uh, you know, Max Griffin against Song Kanan, uh, 16 and eight for Griffin, 16 and five for Kanan. Um, I definitely think that the level of opposition that Griffin has fought significantly outweighs Song Kanan's. Um, I think that Griffin's a very, very tough guy who seems to always be in close back and forth contests, close decisions, decision losses, decision wins. Um, 63% finish rate. So on paper, it doesn't really look like a smash spot, but stylistically, this could be a very interesting spot because of, uh, Saul Kanan's takedown defense. And if you have Max Griffin who decides, guess what? I need a W I need to get back in the win column. Like I, I need to, I need to make sure that my job's not on the line every time. And when you start alternating wins and losses all the time, you don't want to be labeled as the inconsistent fighter in the UFC because you could be on the chopping block at any time. So I think that Max Griffin does utilize some takedowns, averages 1.73 per 15 minutes against Song Kanan's 45% takedown defensive rating. I think that's a nice wrinkle to add into the game and just to keep Song Kanan thinking because on the feet, Kanan is extremely dangerous. But Griffin's a talented striker, works behind his jab, good combinations. Um, overall, I really like Max Griffin, and I think that he could surprise us um, in the past, he's let us down as far as DFS wise, um, you know, 63.4 DraftKings points per fight. But I think this could be an outlier here. I think we could be looking at a, a, a sleep, uh, like a nice little sleeper pick. Yeah. When you look at him being a two to one betting favorite, I, I think he's probably one of the betting favorites that you probably feel the most comfortable with. But if, if song is able to pull the upset, how does he get it done? I think he clips him. I, you know, and song Kanan's done it. He's done it to Colin Potter. Um, He's done it to several fighters in the UFC and, uh, you know, he has dynamite in his hands and he puts together good combinations. Um, it's, uh, he can match the volume too. I mean, both guys throw about four strikes per minute. He just has to overcome the big reach disadvantage, the five inch reach disadvantage, you know, Griffin's, if Griffin decides to keep it on the outside, he can pick up a part. He really can. Song has got to close that space. 
you know, crack them, defend takedowns, which he hasn't really had a lot of success, but he has trained with a lot of talented people, you know, and at this point with 21 fights, you know, the guy's seen it all. So, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that he's not a bad play. I just feel pretty confident that Griffin's going to go in there. And it's tough to say you feel confident in Griffin based on, you know, his, his resume and what he's done to us. But I think Griffin gets it done. Of course, another chalk play on this card is going to be Tatua Vasa, who is now taking on Harry Hunsiger. Uh, no pricing from DFS is at, out there whether we're talking DraftKings, FanDuel, or on Super Draft for, for Harry in this matchup. But uh, we already had a price point of Tatu Avasa out there, A900 on DK, $18 on FanDuel, and he's got a 1.15 times multiplier on Super Draft. If you want to put in a champion, he's at 1.75. Th- to me, this is going to be a smash play. Uh, I'm probably going to be way over the field uh, on Tatu Avasa here, but uh, you know I-, I like him in this spot. Yeah, I, I think this fight ends within two. I really do. Um, I think that Tai Tuivasa at 8,900 is an interesting play. I think that he... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He's going to be one of my highest owned fighters on the slate. $18 on FanDuel. Um, you know, 90% finish rate in his 11 victories. Hunsucker is 7-3 overall with 100% finish rate. And in his defeats, he has been knocked out a lot. And it goes to show you the style of fight. Like Hunsucker likes to stand and bang. Like uh, in his fights, you see him throwing heavy, heavy shots. It's just sometimes he's on the receiving end of it as well. And like he has good power and he's more of a bully. But once he kind of gets pressed, you see like certain fighters, they're good being the hammer, but very difficult being the nail. And I think in this situation, he's going to be the nail against Tai Tuivasa. I think Tai Tuivasa is going to clip him, hurt him despite Hunsucker just having a uh, pretty recent KO victory just a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I won't be ignoring Hunsucker because it is heavyweight MMA and, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. And Hunsucker knows he probably has, well, he just had a fight. So I was going to say he, he knows he probably has one round to get it done, but he probably is going to go out there, you know, like a guy with not much to lose to go out there and try to, you know, get it done early especially because it's heavyweights. And so he doesn't allow Tai Tuivasa to get into a rhythm. So I'll probably just throw him in a couple lines for fun, but it's Tai Tuivasa, almost a lock for me. Corey, so if you want to uh, shop the odds on this fight, the best place to go to is over at Odd Shopper. Go oddshopper.awesomo.com as it is a way to get a great edge where you can find the best line at as they do change by the men and can vary depending on the sports book that you are using. That's why it's important to use Oddshopper over at Oslo.com to, pe- to find the best line value on the fight that you are looking for. So head over to Oddshopper.Oslo.com where we compile the best bets available for game lines, player props, players, and team futures, and it's all updated in real time. So that's one of the things you got to do. And the one thing to always say on fight night, 
Live betting can be very critical because it is a great way for you to potentially get an edge there. So definitely uh, check out Odd Shopper over at awesomeo.com. Moving on to the preliminary card feature matchup. That's going to be Marion Renault taking on Macy Chase on this fight was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago, did not due to COVID health and safety protocols. And uh, it's actually a fight that me and Pete were kind of talking about a little earlier on today. And uh, Mary Renault, I mean, you know, one of the, the, the storylines with her always going to be is her age, 43 years old, taking on uh, Macy Chase on, of course, we got introduced to on the ultimate fighter. Yeah. You know, I I've been flip flopping on this fight all day. And that's usually not a good sign because, um, you know, if I pick one way, I kind of end up, you know, regretting it. But I will have exposure to both. I think that uh, Macy Chasson at six and one, um, you know, she does have some more experience, especially on the Ultimate Fighter and, you know, looking really good on on the, the contest. Um, she has let us down in the past. And, um, you know, I, I wonder if uh, Renault can really go out there and implement a game plan that challenges uh Macy Chasson here. Um, I understand that, you know, Renault has good boxing and strong jujitsu. It's just, you know, I don't really know as far as physicality, if she, what she can do against the 5'11 Chasson. So that's a five inch height advantage for Chasson, four inch uh, reach advantage. So uh, that, that's a lot to overcome in a matchup, especially where Chasson, um, you know, likes to throw a lot of straight punches uh, engage in a clinch, work her excellent knees to the body. Um, I don't think that either one of these ladies really have the best takedowns. I mean, 0.97 for Chasson, 0.52 for uh, Marion Renault, 16% accuracy for Chasson. That's pretty bad. Uh, Marion Renault stands at 71%, but we have to think of the physicality of Chasson and, and the height, right? Like a tall fighter can really negate a lot of takedowns based on length. Like for me, um, you know, if you have long legs, you're able to spread your legs further parts, which makes it difficult for your opponent to connect their hands. You're able to really dig for underhooks and get more leverage in certain situations. It's, it's good to be compact in some areas, and it's nice to be long in some areas. So with all that being said, Renault's a fighter we can't ignore at 7,500. Like there's plenty of other underdogs that we can ignore and we can kind of cross off, but Renault's not one of them. And I think it's just based on the inconsistencies that we've seen in, uh, you know, in some of the the big women's MMA bouts. And I think this is one, you know, that we have to pay attention to the weigh-ins. I want to see how, you know, for all these fights, but this fight, especially, I just want to see if I could get a better read on it. As we stand right now, I have a lean towards Chasson, but Renault will be a, uh, an underdog that I'm circling for sure. Just saying, if you think one of these fighters is going to win by stoppage, I've got a couple of uh, quality prop bets out there for you. Chiesan oh. by TKOKO plus 545. Renault by TKOKO plus 875. Chiesan by submission plus 950. Renault by submission plus 540. Yeah, you know, I mean, those are amazing. If, if, if you hit one of those, I mean, it's kind of, it's awesome. You'll eh? be set for the rest of the night. I kind of think this is going to be a grinding fight where you're going to have to see their durability get tested. You're going to have to see their toughness get tested, their grit, and possibly see a close decision loss um, for one of these fighters. So maybe this doesn't really materialize into the DFS darling that we're thinking it's going to be. Um, 
I'm okay with being a little underweight on it, but I'm obviously going to have exposure to both sides. I feel like we need some prop bets that you set just in female fights. Armbar from guard. Yeah, right? Armbar from guard would be like minus 110. Um, <laughs> every, no, not, every fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, not in this matchup. There's definitely a one in the, uh, the Avila and Stoliarenko where, you know, the armbar from guard is, is definitely possible. But in this fight, you have uh, Chasson and Renault. I think it's going to be kind of like a battle back and forth testing each other's will. Um, Renault's not an easy fight. So if you look and you see nine, nine and six, her record, she's a lot, lot better than her record suggests, despite 43. I wish we didn't even have the age up there because um, that's going to really make Chasson's ownership go through the roof. Um, you can't ignore the age, but I, you know what I mean? Like she's competing well and she has been competing well at such a high age. So, uh, it's just hard to get behind somebody who's 44. Well, she's not the only 40 year old fighter on this car. We got another one, Leonardo Santos, who's 41 years old, taking on Grant Dawson, Grant Dawson, 8,600 on DK, 7,600 for Leonardo Santos. You know, the thing that, that concerns me with Grant Dawson, this one, is he loves to go the grappling route, but you don't want to get into a grappling fight, especially early on with Leonardo Santos. Yeah, I, I love Leonardo Santos' Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think that he's really, really strong in that area, and uh, it's evidenced by you know him being such a decorated Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. I mean, he's won so many contests and so many uh, tournaments. It's ridiculous. Uh, he's meddled everywhere. And I think that Grant Dawson's a rising star within the UFC for sure. And I think that under the tutelage of James Krause, he's on to big, big things. Um, I, I want to see how he is at, at, you know, 155 pounds against a legitimate opponent. Like, I don't want to say that Dawson's, you know, strength of schedule in the UFC has been soft, but it definitely hasn't been extremely challenging. And I think that Santos brings a legitimate challenge uh, to the table here. The one X factor is his age, right? He's 41 years old, but he has found some uh, some amazing victories. He's He has power in his hands, excellent jujitsu that we spoke of. This is a fight, right, where Dawson is a DFS stud. Like, he's a DraftKings stud because he takes people down, and he does what, you know, Gregory Gillespie or Habib Nurmagomedov do. You know, lots of takedowns, lots of ground and pound, works towards finishes, but actually has pretty good jujitsu as well. Um, 88% finish rate. I think he's going to be a very chalky play because you're going to look at people box score watching 101.2 average DraftKings points per fight. That is bananas. But let's be, let's be careful here because Santos has an excellent takedown defense at 88%. Um, you know, and I think that we've seen him stuff plenty of takedowns against strong opposition. They both guys have really, you know, struggled with some cardio at times. Um, I would say Santos has struggled with cardio more than Dawson, but Dawson was caught in a really, really tight guillotine against uh, Derek Minner, which doesn't really give me the best confidence that he can avoid submission attempts from, from Santos here. So um, with all that being said, Santos is a strong underdog to consider because of what he has done. And he has some big wins. I mean, a finish over Tony Martin, um, a finish over Kevin Lee. It's just asking a lot at 41. But if Grant Dawson can't get the fight to the ground, I feel like he's going to lose the fight standing. It's just maybe this doesn't result into an amazing DFS performance like we're thinking. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Leonardo Santos. By the way, I always tell you about how you got to shop the odds. You can get Leonardo Santos as high as plus 850 to win by submission. Now, it's been like six years since you won by submission, but we know he's got great PJJ aspects to him. But it's, you know, I, I think there is, I have some concerns about Grant, Grant. If he does go the heavy grappling base that we have seen from him, could he potentially get caught? Some That's, that's the only thing that does uh, concern me with him. Of course, uh, you got to head over to also.com to check out our free premium content of the day. That is the MMA top fighters tool, a great tool to use as you develop your lineups for Saturday. It's a tool that I use each and every week is definitely, it's a great way to incorporate as you are putting your lineups together for Saturday night. Let's move on. Next up, we got Giles against Roman, uh, Roman, uh, a slight favorite, uh, in this one. Uh, Trevin Giles is actually one of the underdogs. I don't have a lot of faith in a, a majority of the underdogs on this card. Trevin Giles is one of those ones that he is kind of someone I'm thinking of. Man, I can't blame you, right? I can't fault you. I've you know, definitely picked Trevin Giles in plenty of spots, but I feel like he's kind of burned me more more often than not. Um, he is 13-2 overall, but like as far as being – you know, a DraftKings play at 8,000 definitely makes sense, especially against, uh, I don't want to say relatively unproven, but, you know, a a guy who's young in his career in Roman Delize, who is a, a accomplished grappler, amazing grappler, um, does have power in his hands as well, tends to strike a little bit too much in his fights. And I feel like that could uh, be a detriment at one time. Like he's going to suffer a defeat. He, there, he's definitely going to suffer defeat, and it's going to be because it's going to be because he decides to strike too much and not go to his strength, which is his grappling. It's just which fight is it going to be? If you think that uh, you know Giles looked excellent in his last performance against Pavon Lewis, I thought he looked really good. Then this could be a, a spot where you're targeting uh, you know Trevin Giles here. Eighty five percent finish rate for Giles, eighty eight percent finish rate for Delize. It's hard for me to to forget that Trevin Giles can get controlled on the mat. Um, and I think that Delize coming down a weight class, I think that, you know, he should work in his takedowns earlier here. And I think that he should uh, work towards a submission finish. Stop playing so many games. Stop talking to your corner. Um, try to get it done easy. And, you know, I think the path of least res- resistance is taking Giles down because standing up, Giles probably be at a technical advantage. Whereas, uh, you know, the leads, they will have the power advantage. You know, looking at the uh, DraftKings line, your favorite line of the night, 8,200 versus 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why this fight's difficult because like the leads is, you know, it's at 185 pounds. So I want to see what these guys look like on the scale and, you know, come Saturday, we'll have to see, maybe we'll have a better read on one guy or another. But I, I do favor that uh, Roman Delize can go out there and get it done. He's just so talented on the mat, and we have seen Trevin Giles get submitted in his defeats. And, I mean, like, if you're Roman Delize and you see that on a guy's record, you, you're going back to that well, man. You're going to take him down and test the jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it's uh, and $16 for both of them on FanDuel. So this may be one of those fights that you may have to hit on. Um, if this does end up being in a finish, then we got the biggest favorite of the night. That's Montel Jackson, 9,400 on DK taking on Jesse Strader, 6,800 Montel Jackson, a six and a half to one betting favorite in this one. What's uh, what's your take on this one? 
Yeah, so I really like Jackson here. Montel Jackson, he's fought a couple uh, friends of mine. Uh, he's very, very talented. He's very good. Strong overall, 135-pounder, very long for the division, 75-inch reach, 5'10". Uh, going up against uh, Strader, who, um, yeah, he's 5-1. and one. Uh, but you know, a lot of five and ones probably don't look as good as Strader does, because if you look at Strader's fights, he's a talented striker who invests in the body. And you, you guys know by now you listen to this show that I love people who invest in the body. And if you go from fight to fight, it's almost like Strader just throws the same exact combination. Every fight, he throws four hooks to the body and finishes up top with a hook. And a lot of times he rocks or hurts his opponents. I mean, he had Marcelo Rojo in all sorts of trouble. And we saw what Marcelo Rojo did again last weekend, you know, against Charles Jordan, where he was looking incredible. He was looking amazing, up a weight class. So, um, you know, with all that being said, Strader, he has a puncher's chance. He's kind of got that Davy Grant, you know, definitely a big underdog. Uh, he's slinging leather. You know, if a guy doesn't protect or he doesn't shell up like he should, a shot can land and definitely put out Jackson's lights. But as far as all all facets of the game. I think Jackson can outstrike him, out wrestle him, and work towards a finish. Ninety four hundred. He might be as close to a lock on the card that there is. Yeah, I mean, my my question really just is is whether he pays off the price. That, that's my only question. I mean, I think he's going to get rid of him. So it, it's a matter of how does the score happen? Is it a quick finish? Is it an accumulation of tons of shots and a late finish? Um, and also depends on the rest of the card, right? Like he could get a finish and get a hundred and let's say 105 points. And a lot of the other fights go you know, and they're underwhelming that 105 points, despite the heavy price tag can still pay off. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, you know, if you were going to rank them one, two, three with the highest ceiling, I tell you the choices are Montel Jackson, Gregor Gillespie, Tatu Ivasa. How do you rank them? Well, it's gotta be Gillespie because of the takedowns, even though like, because that like like it was fifteen minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Brad Rennell guy, but you know I gotta I gotta respect to say that Gillespie's probably one, uh, tied to Ivas is probably two, and Jackson's probably three. Um, you know, just kind of like uh, performance based on their salary. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, but yeah, I'll have a ton of Montel Jackson in terms of this one. And uh, let's move on to the second fight of the night, a fight that we briefly touched on a little earlier as JP buys and Bruno Silva. This is the 8,300-7,900 matchup on DK. JP buys is the 8,300. And, uh, you know, I know I've you're not the first person that I've heard talk about Bruno Silva in this matchup potentially being in a good spot as an underdog. Yeah, I, I love Bruno Silva here um, as far as, like, the, the rest of the card. Like, you know, there aren't too many underdogs that, re- that really, like, pop out. Um, and I think that Bruno Silva is one of them. Going up against J.P. Buys, um, maybe the Buys or the Bays, may- maybe both of them are going to have some inflated ownership because people maybe mistakenly put one instead of the other or they will kind of want to stack it. I think that uh, Bruno Silva's fought some legitimate competition and in a lot of his fights in the UFC, he's won rounds and was very, very close to becoming victorious in several of them. Um, You know, I think he has a complete game. I think he has good, good hands, um, decent wrestling goes to the takedown wall a lot. So he likes to really push the pace in that aspect. So I'm interested to see how JP buys handles that because I know JP buys is a decorated, you know, wrestler himself. But if you think back about, you know, his contender uh, series fight, uh, how he was reversed, hit with a switch a lot, 
taken down in his first appearance. Obviously, that was some time ago. Um, you know, I like Silver here, man. I really do. I think that he's kind of been tested on the UFC level against legitimate competition and hasn't quit. So he's my underdog of the week, man. I, I like him here at 7,900. If uh, Bias goes out here in his UFC debut and he looks amazing, gets takedowns, it's probably via, you know, a decision, um, maybe some control time. I just don't, I, I think that Bruno Silva, for me, I think he has the edge in a lot of departments. Mentioned this question from Hunter. He said, can you each give your opinions on the grappling exchanges in the Bias-Silva fight? Is it possible Bias has the early advantage and Silva takes over in your opinions? Yeah, so um, when I was seeing some some tape on buys, like he's good offensively, um, but when a fighter is able to prevent a takedown or even stifle his takedown somewhat and start to chain wrestle, that's when you start to see you know buys lose so, some of those scrambles in some fights, and you uh, know most of them he's dominant. But obviously, I'm really looking at that that one contender series fight. Um, and how he was outgrappled by a fellow wrestler. And I do think that Silva has some underrated, you know, scrambling, some wrestling, and trains with some strong people. So uh, I think that Silva could surprise Bias because, like, yeah, like maybe Bias' game plan, game plan is go out there and take, take down his opponent. But what happens if, the you know, his opponent just kind of flips the script and puts him on his back? How is he going to handle that? Um, yeah, 7,900 for Silva. I like him quite a bit. Yeah, I just my my thing with this fight is I just don't know if it ultimately ends up being optimal just based on, you know, it's you know, it's it's yeah. a 50 50 kind of fight. So that's where I'm kind of at. Of course, you know, Pete, tomorrow is or actually tonight starts the action of March Madness. And of course, we have got a DFS package right there, right now for $29.95, which gives you access to the entire turn from tip off to the national championship game on April the 5th. So you gotta sign up right there. Over at awesome.com, $29.95 for our March Madness DFS package. And of course, we will have shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern time to get you ready for the action. Of course, uh, Saturday is the day I'm waiting for because that's when the Knowles play. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, the boys are going to be, the boys are going to be busy. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of success with college basketball lately. So I'll definitely be tuning in. Highly suggest you guys tune in as well. And, uh, you know, let's win some money. Yeah, Matt does a great job with his projections for college DFS. He's been doing it all season long. If you've been telling him, you're you're doing a really good job because he it definitely helps you out a lot, especially with all the changes we've had during the season. So be sure to check out that package we have over at awesomeo.com, our March Madness DFS package for $29.95. It gives you the entire tournament from tomorrow or today, actually, all the way through the national championship game on April the 5th. Hopefully, those are playing on April the 5th. I'm not sure if I'm counting on it, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping over here, Pete. I don't blame you, man. But uh, we got one more fight here left to talk about. Uh, that is Avila versus Sorenko. Avila, uh, 9,200 on DK Sorenko. She is 7,000. Uh, this is my question with the fight. What happens if Storolenko can put Avila on her back like Sajar Eubanks did? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a fair point, fair question. Um, you know, I think that Avila at 9,200, I don't really know if she's like a must-have for me. I, I think of the 9,000 options, she's probably the least uh, – mm, the second 
worst in my opinion. I think Cheyenne buys just based on the unknown um, in Avila. I think at 9,200, just you're, you're hoping for a lot um, going up against Stoy Lorenko who, I mean, she's okay. Like she's okay everywhere. She's been aggressive striking in the past, but what she's mostly known for is just kind of throwing, you know, reckless arm bars from, you know, she's jumping guard. She's trying to get arm bars from, you know, from her back flying arm bars. Um, so Put an asterisk on this, guys, if you're making notes that Stoliarenko, you know, armbar from guard is definitely legitimate. 89% finish rate for a fighter at 7000 and $8 on FanDuel, I think, is somebody that you can sprinkle in lineups. Now, Julia Vila, when she was taken down against Sajara Eubanks on her back, she did look lost. And I do worry about her trying to get back up to her feet. Um, but I think that's maybe people are discrediting Sajara Eubanks. Like, Sajara Eubanks is talented. She just kind of hasn't put it all together. Like she's a very, very strong grappler and fighter for the division with good hands and great top pressure. So I don't really want to hold that against Julia Vila so much. I think that, you know, Stoliarenko should look to exploit that, put her on her back, see how she handles that. But um, if Julia Vila is in the clinch, I think that she can replicate what Yana Kuniskaya did. Lots of, you know, dirty boxing, strong clinch striking, knees to the body, um, she keeps her chin straight up in the air, which is always a worry, but I think that, uh, you know, Avila should edge this fight out, but Estolia Ranko up, uh, submission upset really wouldn't surprise me too much. Um, you know, sprinkle in Estolia Ranko, but it should be an Avila victory. Of course, if you do have any questions, you want to get in here before we get out of here, be sure to line those up in our premium Slack channel or on YouTube. Of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, live, be sure to subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell, hit that thumbs up. So uh, it really does help us out. Be sure to subscribe. And of course, we got shows here all the time. Of course, the NBA late slate live for lock is coming up next with Spags and Emacs. So keep it locked here. Uh, let's get our straight up fight picks. They are not DFS related, just straight up fight picks. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'll, I'll go down mine and people give his, give me Kevin Holland, Gregor Gillespie, Cheyenne buys Adrian Yanez, Max Griffin, Tatu Ivasa, getting Macy Shays on, uh, Grant Dawson, giving Roman Delaze, Montel Jackson, Pete's talked me in the into Bruno Silva, and uh, Julia Vila. All right, cool. I'll go uh, non non DFS related. I'm gonna go uh, Kevin Holland, Brad Riddell, <laughs> Cheyenne buys. Uh, Adrian Yanez, um, Max Griffin, Taito Ivasa, Macy Chasson, um, Santos, Dolidze, Jackson, Silva, and uh, Julia Vila. Uh, Tanner says, if all favorites win, which losing fire do you think has the best chance of scoring decent on DraftKings? Got to be Derek Brunson, right? Like, it has to be based on, um, you know, what he brings to the table. It's five rounds. He has a grappling threat. I don't know if it's really, this fight finishes early. I think that it could be a late finish, um, but I think it's, it's Derek Brunson. He's an excellent value. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to thinking about that question, just in terms of, like, if you tell me a fan duel, I think there's certain fires I could definitely lean towards a like, potentially stopping takedown fence, but over on DraftKings, man, I mean, outside of Brunson, in a loss. I don't know. Um, I might yeah, say, it's tough. In a loss. There's not, there's not one that sticks out to me. 
No, maybe it's Gustavo Lopez because he's so tough and you can hit him with a baseball bat and he just doesn't go anywhere. But with the new DraftKings scoring system. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's true too. Like, like if we're talking about a losing effort, what's that baseline number you want him to get to? Yeah, yeah. I 40? I think 40 in a loss would be okay. Yeah. By the way, uh, Hunter says all favorites will not win. And then uh, Marco says, I don't think that's ever happened. Didn't happen last year. Yeah. Didn't we have a stretch of like favorites for like 29 and one or something like that? Yeah, we did. We, we had a, um, we had a, a stretch where, you know, I think the favorites were like 90% or something like that. I, they weren't hundred percent, but it was, it was a pretty decent stretch. Yeah. I mean, the underdogs are coming in at about a 37% clip this year. So, uh, and on this one, Marco says, uh, chances on Gustavo winning by submission. That's probably his best shot, to be honest. Uh, 92% finish rate for, uh, for Lopez. I, I like the way Marcos thinks. Um, you know, if I am Lopez and I see this highlight reel of Giannis, I'm like, okay, I'm not ending up on that highlight reel. I'm closing the distance. I'm testing his ground game, testing his cardio. If he gets it down to the mat, I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, and of course, uh, we'll be answering your questions on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Coming up next here on Awesome O is the NBA Late Sweat Sweat and Swap show with Spags and Emac. Of course, thank you to our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Be sure to check that out over at monkeyknifefight.com. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA DFS Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com. Myself and Pete will be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock at 5 p.m. Eastern time.